0: Welcome to Tea Time History Chat Live. Why is Henry VIII buried with Jane Seymour? Let's do that today. Um, It's the logical look at why that would be the case. That's the way my mind works. So come along on that journey with me. Um, I also want to introduce you to an interesting figure of the Elizabethan and Stuart court, Francis Bacon. Just just slightly. We're not going to do a you know full on biography of him, but he's interesting. So I thought you might like to um, to hear a bit about him and um, we're also gonna be doing some other stuff. So pop in the chat, say hi, where are you coming from? I don't know, has anything caught your eye history wise this week that you want to talk about? Um remind me again, I can't do live subtitles on Instagram. I apologise, that's not a function that is there. Um so um I am streaming live on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook. So um hopefully you're all hearing me fine and uh and you're here to join in. Hi, I can see lots of um people joining. Hello in over there in India. Hi Trav, I can see you over there in the US and David in Chicago. Um Lizzie, hi if you want to support me obviously on Instagram you can do badges um on YouTube you can do super chats Facebook stars so Maria hi in Iowa how are you doing Travs over in Washington um so yeah let's get on to this so obviously if you're listening or watching on the playback hi thank you for catching up with it so this is also going to be on the podcast as well and if you need details of all the other places that I am, depending on where you are and you want to find all those places, then if you go to my bio, get hold of my substack, then you'll find everything. Oh, and Angie's not far from me in Badsey in the Cotswolds. Ah, concept is over um, in the Canary Islands. Nice. Is it nice this time of year? I've no idea. It's freezing here. We had freezing fog this morning. How, how delightful. How delightful. So um, right, for those of you just joining today, I thought we'd just have a little chat through why Henry VIII is buried with Jane Seymour, because the, the story that we always get is, well, he loved her the most. So I want to just have a little bit of a logical look at that at why he's buried with Jane Seymour. So it'd just be an interesting one. Today is the anniversary, though, um, before I go on, I must uh, mention this, of course, of the execution of Mary, Queen of Scots. And she was um, executed... Oh, thank you, Trav, for the badge. Thank you so much. Um, she was executed at Fotheringay Castle um, in Northamptonshire, which no longer exists after the Civil War. It, um, it was left in in a dilapidated state and, and what would happen? It wouldn't happen today, but, but I mean, we're not recyclers, but everyone else in the past was, you know, we're not very good at it. We make a thing about it, whereas they just did it and including using stone and brick and whatever from uh, old buildings, including castles. (laughs) No one was proud. Hi, Colleen, how are you doing? Um, And following a castle, you know, sort of was pilfered and there's very little left of it, but this is where Mary Queen of Scots was executed on this day in, in 1587. So, um, it's, uh, Oh, Maria, do you think Maria, sorry, Mary was guilty or just a queen in the wrong place at the wrong time? Well, that's interesting. Um, I actually have a video on YouTube about the execution of Mary and, um, And any of you on on Instagram, actually, I've just shared it as a reel. I've got a little. um, I was talking to Gareth Russell about Mary Queen of Scots, and um, and how she um, sort of how she ended up where where she was. We've got a tour in September, the Elizabeth I and Mary Queen of Scots tour, where we'll be going into obviously the story of these two women. Um, in quite a lot of detail and we're actually going to be visiting peterborough abbey um peterborough cathedral Cathedral, so excuse me um where mary queen of scots was was actually buried initially and i say initially she was executed in february she wasn't interred until the july and um she of course was moved Eventually, because she's now in Westminster Abbey, which is another stop on our tour in September. Um, so you can still visit, though it's kept as 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 not, maybe not as was, but it looks very similar to Catherine of Aragon's tomb, which is which she is still there, um, and uh, it, it's still there in in Peterborough. So you can you can go and see it. So We're going to see that, and we're going to see her final resting place in Westminster Abbey. Um, Yes, Colleen, we get to meet Mary. Colleen is um, is going to be coming with me in September on this tour. So yeah, we get to we get to see where Mary was originally interred. Like I say, months after she was executed, so she was executed in February. She was interred in Peterborough at, with, in a Protestant ceremony. Mary, of course, died um, a Catholic martyr. You know, in in her in her own mind, at, 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 at minimum, she when she took off her overgown, her kirtle was crimson red the sign of a, of a martyr. And, um, and uh, yeah, so she, so, so she's, she's interred there in a Protestant ceremony, Mm. you know, not what she would have wanted at all. Interestingly, also Catherine of Aragon, just as an aside, because she is um, interred in Peterborough as well. She also didn't get the funeral that she, She wanted. She um, was buried as the Dowager Princess of Wales in um, recognition of her first marriage, her marriage to Arthur Tudor, Henry VIII's eldest or elder brother. So interesting that both of the ladies who were interred there did not have a funeral that would have gone along with their wishes. Mary, in fact, wanted requested to be buried in France either next to her first husband um Francis or her or her mother Mary of Guise but um obviously that wasn't that wasn't going to be the case and in her final resting place in Westminster Abbey the tomb that was created for her by her son um James I of England James VI of Scotland um don't get too sentimental. He didn't do much for her when she was alive, but he did spend twice as much on her tomb as she did on the tomb of Elizabeth I, which they're not very far away from each other. They're both in the Henry VII um, Chapel or the, the Lady Chapel and um, in, in sort of different side chapels. So so we'll be going to both of those places, Peterborough and Westminster Abbey, um, as part of the tour to look into Elizabeth the story of Elizabeth and Mary, Elizabeth I and Mary, Queen of Scots. Um, but in, a, in a, a short answer-ish, Maria, to your question, was Mary guilty or was she a queen? In the, in, ugh, can I give a short answer to this, actually? <laughs> can I give a short answer to this? Let's see. Oh, let's have a go. Um, she was definitely getting involved in plots by the end, yes. Yeah. But she had been incarcerated in England for over 20 years, uh, one of her prisons, um, in of Commons is a castle, is Tutbury Castle, and we're going there on the tour as well because it's incredibly significant. She was there four times, and it is uh, thought that perhaps it was while she was at Tutbury that she gets involved in the Babington plot, and you have the casket letters um, uh, written in cipher, but um, by Mary, two conspirators Who effectively were going to overthrow Elizabeth, murder Elizabeth, and put Mary on the throne? But by this point, she is she. What else is she going to do? She has nothing. As her situation is just getting worse and worse and worse. Um, There is no way out. So um, I'm not sure I would be any better in that situation. I may well have plotted a lot earlier on. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Who knows? But um, so I think yes, she was guilty. Whether, you know, with a lot of extenuating circumstances. Um, that was a long time to be in custody. She was incredibly ill as well. So, excuse me, just have a sip of my tea. I hope you all have a suitable drink. Trav says, I can see why she became involved. I think it's understandable to want freedom after being a prisoner for so long. A prisoner for so long and, yeah, like no way out. I could say say quite flippantly, her son wasn't trying to get her Out either um so yeah what was what what's a girl to do what's a girl to do but um plot (laughs) maybe so it is it's an it's an incredibly interesting story one that i think we're all very well very drawn to um uh now before i go on i just want to give uh, my new patron a shout out chris has joined patreon this week so any of you who are interested um we've got well, actually, there's a few reasons at the moment to get involved. So we've just started book club. We're reading Gareth Russell's book about the Titanic, the sinking of the Titanic, and the end of the Edwardian era. Our book club meeting is on the 19th of March. So even if you're not joined at the moment, you've got time to join and come to the meeting. And then we'll start on our next book anyway. So you'll be you'll have a chance to do that. So it's not a it's not a barrier to joining. Um, plus, I'll tell you now why don't we do this now. So I've been talking about the tours that we've got on or one of the tours that we've got on this year uh, in September. But one of uh, my most 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 popular tours is the Anne Boleyn tour in May. Every May we do the Anne Boleyn tour and it includes uh, we stay at Heber for the entire time. We um, we have speakers. I have literally this morning just been uh, chatting to Tracy Borman who has confirmed she will be on that tour. Um, speaking to the group, we get a tour of Hidden Heaver after the, after the crowds have gone home. I mean, we have the place. honestly, We stay there. So after everyone's gone home at night, if you want to go for a walk around the grounds, um, or first thing in the morning, I love getting up really early in the morning and going for a walk around the grounds. It is just delightful. And in May, um, I mean, touch wood, we've had, we've had wonderful weather every year. Um, and it's just it's just idyllic it's so so beautiful and atmospheric and just wonderful and you're in you're in you're in Anne's childhood home you know um but we also go to Hampton Court Palace and um and the Tower of London we go to the Tower of London on the anniversary of Anne's execution so the 19th of May um and actually there's lots of other there's lots of other people you'd know from the Tudor world who are at, the Tower of London for the exact, you know, for that reason, forgive it. Well, not for that reason. They're not on tour with me, but for, um, to pay their respects to Anne on that, on that day. Um, Gareth Russell will be with us as, 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 i just so lucky to have him with me. He's so brilliant. Um, anyway, the, the reason I'm telling you that is that tour is about to go on sale. It sells out really quickly if you're a member of my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash British history, you get seven days to book before it goes on general release. So if you want to join, it's five pounds a month. That's a big perk of being involved. Um, we get book club, you get a blog each month and yes, everyone who's in Patreon, I know I didn't do January you so you're owed, your owed one for January. um, and, uh, also historian interviews, you get the long extended ad free versions. Plus you get to ask, I, I always come to you um, before I do the interviews and ask you if you've got any questions you want to ask, um, whoever I'm interviewing. So there's loads of stuff in there, but, um, so that, that, yeah, so that will, so the, um, the tour, so the Anne Boleyn May 2024 tour will go on sale to patrons next Wednesday. So what dates that, everybody? Is that the 15th? And then the following Wednesday, it will go on general release. So um, if you're absolutely desperate to be on that tour, I would suggest becoming a patron, but obviously I would, because I think it's fun. And anyway, we're having a lot of fun in there. Now, shall we get on to what I promised you I'll actually talk about today? So we've done Mary. Anyway, we needed to do Mary Queen of Scots, it being the anniversary of her execution. We needed to do that. But I did promise you today, as well as the announcement, which I've just done also, that we would talk about why Henry is buried with Jane Seymour. And I did a video on this in 2018. 2018, I did lives. I did one live. I really wish I'd carried on. Anyway, um, I've been doing it for a couple of years since. So the, the topic I chose was to talk about why Henry VIII is buried where he's buried. And it it was because you know I think with Henry VIII he's such a big character he's so well known in history he's notorious and yet you can go and see the tomb of his daughter Elizabeth you can go and see the tombs of his parents Henry the Seventh and Elizabeth of York you can go and see the tomb of his brother Arthur um you can go and see the tomb of his um. Would it be, niece, yeah, niece, Mary, Queen of Scots? But where is Henry? Well, of course, Henry doesn't have a tomb. I've spoken about this before. He's in St. George's Chapel, Windsor, um, which has been on the TV lots, uh, where Meghan and Harry were married, where the Queen has just been buried. And he was in a um, the, the one of the sort of vaults underneath the choir and um, only marked as a grave during the reign of william the fourth with this marble slab it it um it it lists the people in the in the vault in order that they went in there so not, not no priority order so jane actually comes above henry lisa makes a great point would henry have been famous if he hadn't married six times And this has come up, I think, in some of the History After Dark discussions that we've had. I don't think he would be. If you think about what else Henry did, everything he's famous for, he's basically famous and he sticks in the mind because he was married six times. I really do think that. And the actions that he then is remembered for come out of those marriages or the requirement for them or his thoughts around what he needed to do in order to have them, break them, whatever. Whatever legitimize them so um, no I don't think he I think actually Henry if he hadn't have married, if he'd have just stayed married to Catherine if she'd have had a boy um, or even if if that if Henry had accepted that Mary was his heir I think um, I think Henry would have yeah I think he would have paled into insignificance however he didn't and he hasn't and in his lifetime he was so in control and careful of his image. That it stands to reason that he will be he will be turning in his only very latterly marked grave uh, at the thought that he never got his his tomb. Um, it w- it was designed. He, he it was we have we have the account of what it should have looked like. Um. Um. So yeah. Um. So, yeah, sorry, I'm trying to read the comments and, and talk at the same time. So he, um, so, yeah, so he's in this, and the, the tomb that he had um, designed for himself, it would have been effigies of himself and Jane Seymour. Um, really grand with cherubs throwing down, rose petals, cascading red and white um, roses, Um. Just, it would have been incredibly elaborate, as as I suppose we would expect Henry to have wanted. Now, of course, we've spoken a million times before. His sarcophagus, that was uh, so the, the 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 center, I suppose of it. I don't know how it would have fit in actually, but the the sarcophagus was that was going to be used was confiscated from Cardinal Wolsey. Um, it now has Nelson in it in the crypt of St Paul's Cathedral underneath the dome. Um, and the Wolsey Angels are in the British Library, uh, not the British Library, excuse me, the Victorian Albert Museum. And the, I don't know where that came from. And they would, um, they would have also been incorporated into this tomb that was, never, that was never built. But that wasn't what I was going to talk to you about, was it? It was why is he with Jane? And the, the story we hear often but then again, I don't know who says this. Uh, don't Like I can't think of serious historians who are going to say this, is that he loved Jane the most. Um, and I don't know, put a thumbs up if that's the story you've heard or if that's, you know, is, is that what you think? Do you think he's buried with her because he loved her the most? You could probably tell the way my voice is slowing down that I'm sceptical. I'm scared to go, but I am going to also take a drink. <clears throat> because we're, um, yeah, so we're given this narrative. Now, of course, Jane is the only wife of the six to give him a son. I also think that's a really shorthanded way of explaining um, why he was married six times. Because I don't think he was actually trying to get a son by the time he was married to Catherine Parr. I know it's the final son, uh, final final wife. But um, let's go through it. So we've already mentioned Catherine, actually, haven't we? We've mentioned Catherine of Aragon. Uh, Okay, she thinks it's purely because she gave him a boy. Lisa, I don't think he loved her the most. It was just the more practical. Yeah, so let's go through it. So, yeah, we've mentioned um, Catherine of Aragon already when we were discussing her final resting place at Peterborough Cathedral, which is also the was the initial resting place of Mary Queen of Scots. So we're going there in September. And Catherine got a funeral that she would not have um, appreciated. She was buried as the Dowager Princess of Wales in light of her um, marriage to Arthur Tudor, Henry VIII's eldest brother, because Henry had annulled their marriage. He had claimed that their marriage had never been a marriage. It had never been legitimate. It never pleased God and therefore it just wasn't, and God had shown his displeasure in not giving them sons. And so he couldn't have been buried with Catherine of Aragon because as far as he was concerned, she was the wife of his brother, not him. So there's Catherine of Aragon gone as a candidate. Anne Boleyn came next well their marriage was um annulled and she was of course on the, uh, the she she's um accused and found guilty on trumped up charges of treason of imagining the king's death effectively and of um committing adultery although that wasn't technically treasonous, imagining the king's death was, which by the way, Henry didn't bring in. That that had been in the treason laws right from I think right from back to the 1351 Act. I always thought he'd added it, he didn't add it. Um so um forgot uh, vagina no he definitely wouldn't like to be buried with the ones he yeah he, he divorced or beheaded indeed. Um let's have a look what else we've got here Lisa if Henry didn't recognise his marriage of Catherine Aragon, I wonder why he spent so much time trying to divorce her. Well, he was trying to annul the marriage. That is what he was trying to do. We we simplify it to divorce, but it technically it wasn't. It was an annulment. Um, Jenna, I think the reason he chose to be buried with her was because she gave birth to Edward, but also because Henry went into deep depression after her death um, and he didn't have time enough to tire of her. Well, that's a very interesting point. Um, she also kept her mouth shut. I really want. Wonder... Sorry, let me finish Anne, and then we'll get on to we'll go on to Jane. Actually, um, we'll go on to Jane at the end probably. But yeah, so 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 he. So when he, um, uh, so, so of course he can't be married with Anne. Anne has been um, beheaded and buried at, in under the floor of St Peter Advincula Vincula, and um, as, a, as a as a traitor, as imagining his death. You know, this, is, this is bad. I mean, he, he literally. He he gets he gets betrothed to Jane Seymour the day after, um, Anne is executed. He sends word to Jane on the morning of Anne's execution um, that he will be sending word to her later on. Uh, it's like Jane is not, uh, I don't think a particularly innocent party in all that, or not certainly not a benign party in in this, and um, so so yeah so we'll come we'll come back to we'll come back to Jane we'll, we'll conclude to Jane because then of course you've got Anne of Cleves his fourth wife she's still alive when he dies and um is I mean they were they were their marriage was annulled as well at six months remain very close friends um uh Natalie, do you think he sent word to Jane to humiliate Anne? I don't know that it would have been he would have known that it would be public. Um I don't think he would have known that it would have been public or that she would ever have known about it. Um right, then you have Catherine Howard. Catherine Howard, of course, um is also beheaded for committing adultery um against the king. Um they managed to make up laws and stuff as well to to get to get other people executed at the same time, so she is also buried um, in the Chapel of Saint Peter Ad and then of course you have Catherine Parr at the end. Well, she is she also outlives him. <laughs> she she uh, she's still alive when he dies. So logically, it has to be Jane. It has to be Jane. Like people in the comments, she gave him a son, and there is a. Um, there is a large element of remembering Henry is still only the second Tudor monarch. This, you know, it relative to if you think the Plantagenets that came before them that had 400 years on the throne, this is a fledgling dynasty still. You, know, you probably can't even call it a dynasty, can you? If there's only been two, I don't know. Um, so if, um sorry jenna's just saying henry um henry traveled by barge to see jane Mm. yeah i can't remember where jane was and where he was so i'm not sure the route obviously it would have been on the thames though so yeah um so 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 there's a big element of right i have been your rightful king Remember the, the the Tudors. Who who else? I mean, everyone still today knows the power of imagery. And so, um, a tomb which shows, you know, the, the cherubs and the um, they're going to have masses said here every day, multiple times a day. You know, this is the right king. So, of course, their son is should be, even though he's only nine years old, the undisputed heir. He's it, he's it. There is no question, you know. Th- and this is all part of this this um, image making, this propaganda to say, you know, we're done. This is it, it's uh, it's sorted. This is the succession. Uh, it doesn't matter. That he's only nine years old, he's Henry VIII's son. His marriage to Jane Seymour was completely and utterly legitimate, etc. etc. So, there you go. But I do think he'd be really annoyed that he's still in the in the vault underneath the choir at St. George's Chapel, Windsor. Hi, Monica. How are you watching on Facebook? So, um, yeah. So, I, I sorry, I think I missed a few questions there. If you ask me a question and I haven't answered it, please feel free to, um, to pop it in again. Let me see if I can find where it was. Hi, Maria. How are you doing? Um, do I think... Catherine lied about um, his her relationship with Arthur. Um, uh, sorry, Jenna, I believe Jane was staying at Nicholas Carew's house. So I did um, a four part documentary, which is on YouTube, which I will post links to as we come to the um, the various times. It, it's basically a chronological cover uh, of of the downfall of Anne because it happens so fast it happens so fast and actually in um at the end of June into July Gareth and I are doing um a tour called the private life of Anne Boleyn and he's doing three talks for that and the the um the final of those talks it because we're using the the summer progress of 1535 as the backdrop to looking into, you know, what was Anne like as a woman um, as well as, as well as a queen and his final talk, our final talk is about um, what happened (laughs) basically, like what was the build up? What was the setup? How was this, how, how when she's looking at her happiest and her most, um, stable and control, you know in her position um in 1535 by the next may middle of the next may she's gone you know so so gareth's talk will will look at that his first one is looking at her heritage and um really interesting because the irish background i think it's definitely cover that is um is really fascinating and little talked about so gareth is probably the best place person to talk about that and then in the middle we're going to talk about the good years the sort of 1533 to 1535 sorry we him in his talk so um, we've still got some spaces on that tour so if you're interested in that one um you can find all the details for that if you follow the link in my bio or go to britishhistorytours.com so and like i say if you're interested in the Umberlin tour which is the one i do every may that is going to be released to members of my Patreon, patreon patreon.com forward slash British history um, next Wednesday. And it will go on general release the Wednesday after. So there you go. There you go. How are you doing, everyone? We're half an hour in. And I wanted to mention to you today about someone i i don't i'm trying to i I thought maybe each week i'll do with um cover somebody with you who's just of interest maybe i'll do it every week maybe i'll do it every few weeks i haven't decided yet um but i wanted to talk about someone called um francis bacon today because that's a name that i thought well i I know that name i know that name now i know him actually it turns out from various different stories i hadn't pieced together is the same person um so you may have heard of his his father, Sir Nicholas Bacon, because he was um, Lord Privy Seal, I think it was. Um, sorry, keep well, yeah, Lord Keeper of the Great Seal for Elizabeth I. And he was married twice, and from his second marriage to an incredible lady, um uh called Anne, Anne Cook, I think her maiden name was, um, so his second marriage to her, they had two sons and Francis Bacon was the youngest of those two sons. So the youngest of, I think, seven children and the youngest of the, 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 the brothers by um, Nicholas Bacon's second wife. Um, and he is kind of, I don't know if he's, I don't know how many people refer to him. was kind of like the father of like the, the, the I'm going to say the scientific method because that's what, that's what it's called. But this um, approach to science that says keep trying to prove it wrong. This is my layman's terms. But he's the one he, you know, and he, he incredibly religious as well. He was his mother was a, um, a Puritan, and even though, um, she um, was she yeah she was a Puritan, um, but they were so they're very much actually against the Catholicism. Although his mother on the death of Edward the Sixth, Anne Bacon rode to Kenninghall, Hall, where Mary I was, to pledge allegiance. I think this lady might be savvy, yes. She was also incredibly um, incredibly well-educated. Her father um, was the tutor to Edward VI, and he was a humanist scholar. He believed that all his children should get a high level of education. Um, whether oh, sorry, I've missed comments. Whether he were, well, sorry, whether they were boys or girls. And and Anne Cook, so Francis Bacon's mother, spoke was it five or six different languages? And that led into some of her later work. She was a, she became a translator of works. Um, she was also a lady in waiting, um, to Mary. Um, and uh, sorry to elizabeth um, the first so she was um she she was she was she's an interesting character so I was looking into francis bacon but his her, his mother is incredibly interesting um now um yeah sorry so you, so you've got so, you, so you've got francis bacon his dad's nicholas bacon dad. his father's nicholas bacon uh, keeper of the great seal um, for elizabeth the uh, first his mother is a lady in waiting to elizabeth the first and his uncle is um, Lord Burley, William Cecil. So he's very well connected. Um, Now, he's he's, um, uh, educated at home to begin with, which isn't unusual, but for some reason in the write-ups about him, it's made out to be unusual, um, thought to be maybe because he was an ill child. But I'm not quite sure where that comes from because plenty of... um, you know, upper class boys were, were educated at home, but at 12, he goes to Cambridge, um, which again, isn't, isn't unusual. Um, you know, children were not children for very long in this period. You know, We're sending them off now at 18 to university. They were going off at much earlier at 12 or so. So he was at 12. Um, and he was there, um, uh, along, alongside his older brother, Anthony Bacon, um, and and had personal tutors from a, a man called Doctor John Whitgift, who was later Archbishop of Canterbury. And it's it's through being um, being at Cambridge that he he first meets Elizabeth I. Um He's still only very young, and she 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 but she notices him because she you know she, Queen Elizabeth liked to give people nicknames, and she called him the Young Lord Keeper, um, which is very cute. But his career is quite fascinating in that it wasn't very quick in terms of. Um, uh, getting anywhere fast? Um, he 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 isn't sort of like an overnight success story. Where he was noticed by Elizabeth and then he became this and this and this and this. He seems to have had to do um, a lot a lot of sort of groundwork. He ends up at um, uh, after Cambridge at Gray's Inn, which is the sort of four um, um, houses in London. Um. And he has to take up a residency there to start to support himself, um, and he becomes a member of parliament. So he's a member of parliament, and he's. Um, well, let me just, as an aside, so we think of our members of parliament, our MPs, now they they live in their constituencies and they represent their constituencies. Just out of interest, let me let me let me list to you the number of places that he represented. So. He begins representing um, Bosnia in Cornwall, then Malcolm in Dorset, then Taunton in Somerset. Later on, he's the MP for Liverpool, then Middlesex. He sits three times as the MP for Ipswich and once for Cambridge University, who clearly had their own MP at that point, <laughs> <laughs> which I just find hilarious. Um, um But he, uh, he's got a link to Mary Queen of Scots. Uh, so this is another reason why I wanted to mention um, him today because he, he stood up in Parliament and pressed for um, Mary Queen of Scots execution, which, if you're with me, the whole show, you know, happened today in 1587. Um, he also advocated early on, because um, he was still only young um, when Elizabeth first sees him. He, he outlives Elizabeth, and he actually rises in terms of, so um, uh, he first becomes a sir, and eventually he becomes a Viscount. That's all under James I. James I really favoured him. Um, and um, he did advocate, he's one of the early advocates for the Union of um, England and Scotland. Um, he also advocated a little later on for the integration of Ireland into that because he saw that as a way um, to to be closer, you know, the countries to work closer together and to bring about peace effectively. So... Um, obviously, that didn't actually happen for a lot, lot, um, for a lot, lot late until a lot, lot later. But um, during the latter part of Elizabeth I's reign, he was on his way up, <laughs> but through in his, his alliance with Robert Devereux, first, uh, sorry, second Earl of Essex. Now, um, Robert Devereux was the son of Lettuce Knowles the uh, sort of final wife of um, uh, Robert Dudley. So he was Robert Dudley, Earl of Leicester's stepson. And I think when, um, when Robert Dudley died, I don't know whether Elizabeth sort of still felt like there was a connection there or something through his stepson, but he became her favorite. Um, And over Um, Estimated himself, underestimated Elizabeth. Um, Won't go into Essex now because that's not who we're talking about, but effectively Bacon's um, alliance with Devereux, uh, with with the second Earl of Essex, initially paid dividends. And then, of course, he had to uh, remove himself from those associations because um, the Earl of Essex actually ends up raising a... uh, a very ill-thought-out uh, rebellion. He 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 marches on London to demand an audience with the Queen. At which point he's arrested and charged with, tre- with treason. And Bacon, um, as already being someone who's who's, who's worked as a lawyer, um, is um, is part of the legal team who looks into the charges against against Essex. And he actually um, writes the official. Government account of the trial for which Essex is found guilty and he's and he's executed in the Tower. Um, when James I comes to the throne, he's impressed by Bacon by Francis Bacon really quickly, and that's when he actually becomes Sir Francis Bacon. He's not knighted during Elizabeth's reign; he's knighted um, in 1603, so early on in James's reign. And he doesn't get married until 1607, by which point he's 45 years old, um, and. He marries um a, a girl called Alice Barnum. And when I say girl, I mean girl, I think she was 13 or 15, fourteen or fifteen. She's somewhere around there. Um, and he he uh he writes a couple of sonnets. Now, when he was member of Gray's Inn back when he was in his late teens, they'd written a play. Um now later on in uh, when he comes to get married he's writing sonnets to his new bride which basically say um it doesn't kind of matter that i'm older than you it's sort of love is love and i don't know something like that i think it was supposed to be reassuring for her then they didn't really ever get on i don't think she ends up with um, they never have any children and she ends up having an affair and and he writes her out of his will but anyway <laughs> um so there is a theory that my good friend dr Kat who um, is a Shakespeare scholar and has Reading the Past channel on YouTube. We do History After Dark together along with Catherine Brooks. Cats um, told me to steer clear of this next bit, which is, which is that people have put Francis Bacon forward as a possible candidate for writing some of Shakespeare works. So I'm going to say on the matter, apparently, I'm not getting involved. Not getting involved, not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> but yeah, so um, apparently... But anyway, he, he clearly wrote some works because it doesn't mean that only Shakespeare could write and therefore it doesn't mean that everything that was written means that someone else was Shakespeare. So there you go. Um, so, yeah, so he rises up anyway in, in the, uh, uh, during the reign of, of James I um he'd had the position of um the clerkship of the Star Chamber, which was the the court which, which sat within Westminster Palace, um from the end of um Elizabeth's reign through to yeah, clean, not my monkey, um, to uh to much later where he took up the position. But it was kind of a position in promise, so he was getting the salary of it. Francis was dogged by debt. For most of his adult life um his father had died uh, unexpectedly and hadn't basically sorted out the inheritance (laughs) so Mm. awkward um so yeah so he so he was he got this um this position this is one of the positions oh thank you for the badge Chrissy much much appreciated um Yes, if anyone wants to support me with badges on Instagram, very much, um, very grateful. Stars on Facebook or Super Chats on YouTube. Um, you can also join my Patreon. I don't know if I mentioned it. <laughs> that really helps me as well. And hopefully you. So um, he's he's actually made, now I haven't looked into this, but he's made temporary regent for a month during James the First um, reign in 1617 um, and he's, he's made Lord Chancellor in 1618 so he really does rise up um, during the reign of uh, James the First. but where is there to go actually I haven't written this down but I do know he was he's the only person in history to be a member of the House of Parliament and the House of Lords at the same time which I'm pretty sure is not allowed now <laughs> Certainly a conflict of interest because the way our our system works, you know, a bill or an act is read out in in Parliament, um, passed in Parliament, and then it goes for scrutiny to the House of Lords, so you can't sit on both. But he, um, his public career ended catastrophically in 1621. So Francis, he'd fallen into debt, but like I said, debt had dogged him throughout his life. Um, And he was, he was, he was, uh, charged with 23 counts of um, corruption now this is a time where you could technically say bribes are being given donations are being given um, they're given to political parties now so let's <laughs> you know this is something that's it's kind of a time of memorial thank you thank you very much Patrick for the badge really appreciate it um, but if someone wants to make an issue of it they can and they did with Francis bacon he was sentenced um, to imprisonment in the Tower and fined, which I always think is bizarre. If someone's in debt to fine them, but that's clearly they wanted to destroy him. And he was fined forty thousand pounds. This is in sixteen twenty-one. Uh, I don't know what the equivalent is, but forty thousand pounds now would cripple somebody. So let's assume that that was the uh, that was the that was the reason. Now the the king though he's still in favour with the king, and he. Um, he, he gets him released and he um, gets him um, the, the, the debt, the fine wiped. But parliament are successful in um, barring Bacon from holding any future office or sitting in parliament. So he's been a, he's been an MP for most of his life. Um, he's had positions at parliament, uh, sorry, in the court for a long time or in the law courts and then in the, in the Royal court. And, um, and uh, and so he, he 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 loses all of that but he has a very interesting death this is the other story that I said <laughs> I already realized I knew it didn't didn't match it to the same person but before we go on to that I just want to mention the scientific method because this is he is seen as now he, he wouldn't have called it the scientific method I'm not quite sure what, what he would have called it they, they didn't really call it science it was natural philosophy I think it was at the time. um the idea that let's not take sort of um, inherited truths for granted. Let's look at things that constantly scrutinize and try and, try and um, disprove, I suppose, something that we, we take as a given. So this scientific method, it's constantly, if you, if you speak to a scientist, you speak to somebody um, who, who deals in this kind of thing, you're always looking for, the flaw in your theory. Um the the because otherwise you're never you're never completely getting to um, to the truth. Um because as soon as you start making assumptions, lots of other things come from it. So he's he's basically the father of that. He's also interested in the weather by the way. He's one of the first people to say uh, well here I'm presuming other places in the world this happened but can't we just look at the coming? Look at the weather patterns, watch them, record them, and then try and uh, predict the weather from them. So he's kind of the first weatherman, weatherman, the first um, person to uh, to look at scientific method of, of, of analysis. Um, so, so you might have heard from him for that reason, but clearly he's got this mind of. Um, of interest of intrigue looking at things. And so this this is what leads to his death eventually in a very bizarre way. Which let's go let's do this. It's fun. It's well it's not fun because he dies, but um it's it's if you're gonna die. Anyway, let's get on to it. 1626, he's travelling um to London and it's snowing. And Goodness knows how, but he gets this idea that the cold could preserve meat. Now, at a time where you're salting, um, I don't know if any of you, if you're not of sort of British heritage, um, and I I don't know about the continent, but we, we have a heritage of salting our food, salting our meat, because that was how we preserved it. So you find we have a lot. It's less now, but we used to be a lot of salt in our, in our sort of traditional cooking. It's because we used to, that's our method of preservation. Francis Bacon decides, um, it's a little bit ironic, the name, isn't it? Um, could the cold preserve meat? And so he has this idea. He gets the carriage that he's in to stop and he buys a chicken off a local woman. She prepares it, guts it for him. And he stuffs it with snow. Good idea. He's sixty-five years old at this time. He's suddenly taken ill, um, and he ends up at his, his friend the other of Arundel's house. And he actually dies there on the 9th of April. Um, so this is 1626. and um, he has no heirs. But, but anyway, so he but he's he's. Um, he says something about so he, he We don't know whether he died of pneumonia or a um infection, perhaps from um uh, messing around with, with uncooked chicken. Um, but he um he basically says to his friend, um, in a final letter that he doesn't realize is going to be his final letter, that the experiment had worked very well. Now, if you think today we use the freezer to, yes, Marie, perhaps Salmonella. Um, uh, you know, we use freezing to preserve our food all the time now. Um, Francis Bacon literally died doing that first experiment. Um, yes, Mayfair Forest, which is amazing that it took us this long to work it out. Yeah. Um, Jenna says the American pioneers also use salt to preserve their meat, presumably because it, yeah, so maybe it's a European thing. And um, Maria so yeah, salmonella, maybe um he was walking about with a raw chicken (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) exactly but anyway I think he's fascinating I think he's fascinating and I didn't want to do a full bio on him but just maybe prick your interest so that you might go off and uh, and look a bit into him because I think he's um he's very very interesting um so I don't know what else what else can we talk about today? We're actually nearly at the hour, so I will leave you in a moment. But um let me do a quick recap. If you're uh we've covered Mary Queen of Scots, it was her execution today. And if you want to look into her story, we're touring, we're actually doing the Elizabeth I and Mary Queen of Scots um story on tour in September. That's myself and Gareth. We're going from the 10th till the 15th of September. Um and uh, we also still have spaces on the Private Life of Boleyn tour, which goes on the 29th of, of June. Um, there's lo- Honestly, the itineraries for them, I'm really, really proud of them. They're going to be fantastic. Just an aside, and I will do a post about this. Um, my rebooking rate, because I'm incredibly proud of this, is 25%. So a quarter of the people coming this year Came with me last year and have booked straight away to come back. I think that speaks volumes. But if you are interested in doing the May tour next year, because the May tour this year is fully booked, the Anne Boleyn tour—it's like the core tour that we do. Um, <laughs> Colleen, am I the only one finding bacon meat link amusing? No, I am definitely finding it amusing. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, so if you want to sorry, Colleen, if you want to do the uh, Anne Boleyn, the Anne Boleyn tour in May. 2024 is about to go on sale to patrons next Wednesday. Become a member, patreon.com forward slash British history, and you get seven days to book before it goes on general release the following Wednesday. Join me tonight. I'm on History After Dark with the girls, Dr. Cat Marchant and Catherine Brooks. We're talking Elizabeth I. So this is our Deceased Git series, um, looking at people who... Actually, either just assumed to be less than desirable people or maybe in the case of Elizabeth I, there's some undesirability in there that you're not as aware of as you should be. So anyway, we're going to talk about Elizabeth I tonight. Um, Genesis makes me wonder if anyone else died of salmonella poison, considering they did stretch uh, the peacock skin back over the bird. Mm. Yeah, well... You'd have thought there'd have been a lot about... They're not washing their hands, are they, after they're dealing with with, uh, with poultry. God, goodness, knows. don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But yes, so join me next week same time here uh so instagram youtube facebook one o'clock next wednesday um or you can join me tonight along with dr cat and catherine brooks for history after dark again on instagram and youtube history dot after dark on instagram history after dark on youtube and we're talking elizabeth the first everyone thank you so much for joining me and i will see you all either tonight if you're around or next week All right. See you soon. Bye-bye.